Taiwan reported four local COVID infections on Monday, three in Kaohsiung and one in Miaoli. Two of the cases in Kaohsiung are a mother and son who are diagnosed after the mother got her test to travel abroad. The other Kaohsiung case is a worker at a beverage shop who got tested after developing symptoms. Investigations are underway to find the source of their infections. The case detected in Miaoli is a vendor at the Zunan Second Market. So far, all three members of her family have tested negative for the disease. Two identified COVID cases had previously visited the market before their diagnosis on February 8th and 9th. Officials are looking into whether they infected the vendor. Sources say they had not stayed long at the market and had not shopped at her stand. Taiwan nationals currently in Ukraine have been warned to leave the country amid the looming threat of conflict with Russia. Over the weekend, Taiwan's foreign ministry issued an advisory to expats, urging them to seek evacuation assistance from Taiwan's representative office in Moscow. There are about 25 Taiwan nationals currently working or studying in Ukraine. When interviewed by Taiwan media, some said that they don't believe that war is imminent between Russia and Ukraine and that they have no immediate plans to leave the country. That's the bus stop next to the metro. There are still a lot of people waiting for their buses. This is what the streets of Kliev look like at rush hour Monday morning. The footage was captured by Tsai Zongyong, a third-year student at Ukraine's National Aviation University. He says that daily life in the city has stayed largely unchanged. Those rumors of tanks on the street, we aren't seeing any of that. There was a big traffic jam last night. U.S. media outlets report that Russia may invade Ukraine on February 16th. Even so, Tsai says he doesn't feel like life is any different. To give his family in Taiwan some peace of mind, he says he plans to leave Kriev for a few days to travel around western Ukraine. You just keep living and buying stuff. It's all still very normal. But to put my family at ease, I might travel around the West for a while. Another Taiwanese national in Ukraine takes us on a tour of a supermarket with a local. The video shows people shopping for eggs, bread and other groceries. There's plenty of goods on the shelves and no signs of panic. As you can all see is, first of all, there are plenty of daily necessities. Secondly, there are no cues of people panic buying stuff. But Taiwan's Ministry of Foreign Affairs is not taking the risk lightly. It's formed an online group of Taiwanese in Ukraine. It's urged all 25 Taiwanese nationals to evacuate as soon as possible, saying that assistance will be provided to citizens who book a flight out of the country. So far, only a few of them have decided to pull up stakes and leave. I will stay in Ukraine for now because there are still a lot of documents to process, and family is all here. As Taiwan closely follows developments between Russia and Ukraine, it's also keeping an eye on its closest neighbor. In an interview with CNN affiliate CNN News 18, Foreign Minister Joseph Wu said that China may use the crisis in Europe as an opportunity for invading Taiwan. Take that advantage to launch an attack against Taiwan. So these are something that we're watching very carefully. Uh, We think that China may have that intention. Speaking to the Australia, Australia's defense minister recently warned that a Russian attack on Ukraine would be felt across the Indo-Pacific. As uncertainty hangs over the Russia-Ukraine border, the world is warily weighing the ramifications of a conflict.
Efficient Group has thrown its full weight behind the government's decision to end Taiwan's Fukushima food ban. As early as this month, Taiwan will open its borders to food from five Japanese prefectures, including Fukushima. On Monday, the Taiwan Medical Association held a press conference to back the policy, emphasizing that the decision was founded on scientific data and reason. The executive yuan recently announced the conditional end to its Fukushima food ban. At a Monday press conference convened by the Taiwan Medical Association, medical professionals weighed in on the policy move. Taiwan should create supporting measures founded on sound medical expertise. Our policy should also be compatible with economic and trade development. So we should keep pace with the world, follow international norms, and work together with these democratic countries. Why is the medical community stepping forward at this critical moment? Because we need to let the public know that these issues are no longer merely food safety issues. They involve the long-term development of the entire country, as well as international trade and Taiwan's participation in global trade systems. Last September, Taiwan applied to join the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, or the CPTPP. The trade group's member states are set to convene this Thursday to discuss Taiwan's application. Ahead of the meeting, Taiwan has lifted its decade-old ban on Fukushima food imports. One longtime politics watcher says he expects Japan to fully support Taiwan's accession. Generally speaking, Taiwan has lifted the main stumbling block to its CPTPP membership. Of course, there is also the obstacle of China's opposition, but Japan's attitude has been quite clear. Following the end of the import ban, Japan is likely to more forcefully advocate on Taiwan's behalf. After all these transitions of power, we finally have a democratic government that's showing the public how someone running a country ought to take responsibility. Today, we've got opposition parties proposing that the 22 cities, counties and special municipalities band together, that they amend their own food import ordinances. The CPTPP won't wait two years for them to do that. The medical experts pushed against Taiwan's opposition parties, urging them not to hinder national development. They called for adhering to science and reason and for staying united to help Taiwan go international. Supermarkets are rationing some everyday goods to cut down on panic buyers. Amid a national shortage of eggs, purchase limits are now in place at Costco, PX Mart, Amart, and Carrefour. Toilet paper is also being rationed at select chains, ahead of a price hike scheduled for the end of February. At this American big box store, rationing is in effect for toilet paper. Shoppers are seen snapping up family packs ahead of a toilet paper price hike at the end of this month. Eggs, too, are being rationed, limited to one unit per membership card. Meanwhile, at a major supermarket chain, shoppers are capped at two cartons each. The merchandise is going fast. I don't buy much at a time. I can't carry too much by myself, so I only ever buy two cartons at a time. Price hikes are fine if they're reasonable. It depends on whether the increase is too great. According to the latest government data, the price of eggs rose 18.38% in January, hitting its highest point in nearly three years. To cope with surging demand, many major supermarkets have announced purchase limits. At Costco, shoppers can buy one pack of toilet paper and one container of eggs per card. 
DX Mart hasn't placed limits on toilet paper yet, but it's restricted eggs to two cartons max per shopper, with prices subject to market volatility. Amart has also capped eggs at two cartons per shopper. Over at Carrefour, toilet paper is on special promotion. The chain has yet to raise its egg prices, but purchases are rationed at 80% of store locations. Some consumers are a bit irrational and exhibit panic buying behaviors, so the shelves are a bit... It looks as if there are no eggs, but we've discovered an interesting phenomenon, which is that our supply of processed eggs has grown by nearly 90%. Everyday goods like toilet paper and eggs are feeling the pinch from the price hikes and supply shortfalls. One after another, Taiwan supermarkets are rationing their products to cut down on stockpiling. One industry that has struggled to adapt to the pandemic is floristry. With many weddings and banquets cancelled in the last year, florist sales have plummeted. Flower arranging is struggling too, with in-person classes cancelled. But we've met one master florist who is thriving in the age of COVID. He found the perfect offering for students who want to benefit from his expertise in the comfort of their own homes. Many florists offer express delivery for a Valentine's Day bouquet. But last year, florist sales plummeted when Taiwan entered level 3 restrictions. Weddings across the country were postponed and many banquets cancelled. Flower arranging classes bit the dust too. This financial storm has tested the limits of florist resilience. When the pandemic began, our flower arrangement classes stopped. A student asked if I could still make arrangements for them even though classes are on hiatus. That request gave flower expert Li Qinghai a bright idea. Students can now order their flower arranger's box delivered to their home. The box includes flowers and implements and everything necessary to make a beautiful centerpiece. What if you're not an expert? No problem, there is a video lesson too. Lee lights up his lights and finds the right angle for his phone, camcorder and laptop. Three cameras are on him to get his YouTube videos perfect. He demos the arrangement and explains all the details. These orchids are complemented by various accessories. He makes it look so easy. And voila, a Lunar New Year bouquet is born, perfect for brightening up the home or gifting to a friend. During this period, many students have watched my online videos and they wanted to be able to touch the actual flowers. That's why the Flower Arranger's box was born. When you've arranged your flowers, you might not be sure if they're pretty. Of course, I can tell them online where to make a little tweak. They can have a full experience of both online instruction and offline coming to my classroom. In the past, I sometimes struggled to find students for my classes. Now, I have more students and customers thanks to free online teaching. Lee has revolutionized his business, learning the skills of the YouTuber to bring his flower expertise online and making a new type of DIY delivery all the rage. The CECC plans to shorten the mandatory quarantine for international arrivals from the current 14 days to just 10. It also plans to let travelers quarantine at home for all 10 days. According to the CECC, the plan factors in Omicron's lower hospitalization rate and relatively short incubation period. 
more than 95% of Taiwan's imported cases test positive within seven days of arrival. 99% were diagnosed within 10 days. Let's hear from the CCC. Thanks to the efforts of all the people in Taiwan and to the cooperation between the central government and local governments, we have managed to keep the R number near one. That is indeed something that's very hard to do with Omicron, which is such a transmissible variant. It also shows that the pace of our epidemic investigations and contact tracing has kept up with Omicron's spread. So if things continue as they are at present, we will get ready to ease our border controls. The CCC said that the 10-day quarantine would still be followed by seven days of self-health management. It also announced plans to open Taiwan's borders for general business travel. As for when the new rules will come into effect, the health chief said it would depend on factors including Taiwan's epidemic situation and its booster shot coverage, which should reach at least 50 percent. The minister said his goal was to ease regulations by the middle of March. When Taipei High School has pushed back its start time by 25 minutes by cutting out its early morning study lab and flag-raising ceremonies. Students at Taipei Municipal Chenggong High School now only need to arrive by 8.10 in the morning instead of 7.45. The move comes amid a broader push for starting high school later to ensure that teens can get enough sleep and eat a proper breakfast. Students trickle in at Chenggong High School. Nobody wants to be late. It's 8 o'clock, and at most schools, these students would be marked tardy, but not here at Chenggong High School. Starting this semester, students need only arrive by 8.10 for first period. We no longer mark students as late or absent if they don't arrive before first period. Our hope is that students will find their own rhythm and still arrive early to class. They can come to school before class starts and learn or study a bit to put themselves in good stead for the day. This way, we have more time to get to school. It's not as much of a rush. We can leave home a bit later. In junior high school and elementary school, we started very early. To be able to come in a little bit later in high school is a good thing, I think. Previously, Chenggong High School required students to arrive by 7.45 a.m. for a so-called morning self-study session. Students who missed the arrival time would be marked late. But following discussions among student representatives, school administrators and parents, Chenggong High School decided to do away with the morning self-study session as well as other early morning activities like flag-raising ceremonies and other assemblies. Now, school officially starts at 8.10 a.m. The move comes after a petition in 2020 which asks schools to postpone the start of class to 9.30 so that students could get enough sleep and eat a proper breakfast. Taiwan has the longest school days in the world. If the Ministry of Education wants to address it, it can delay the start of school. It can take the morning self-study period and make attendance voluntary. Students can decide whether they want to review their textbooks or get some rest during that time. Students in the Taiwan Youth Association for Democracy want the school day to start later, if not at 9.30, then at 8 a.m. The Ministry of Education says it's still reviewing the proposal. In a 2021 poll conducted by the National Alliance of Parents Organization, 64.5% of students wanted a school day from 9.30 to 5, but only 18% of parents and 17% of teachers were in favor. Officials say more consensus is needed before a major policy shift. 
Now let's dip our toes into one of the youngest forms of art in the world, the messaging sticker. If you've ever used a messaging app, you've probably sent or received a sticker to liven up the conversation. Taiwan's artistic sticker trends are always changing. This Lunar New Year, seasonal stickers were all the rage. We caught up with artist Ming Ming, whose creations found a cult following. Everyone wants to contact their nearest and dearest to wish them a happy Lunar New Year. On messaging apps, a cheerful sticker is often the envoy of choice. This little character has a tiger costume on, bringing the new year into your inbox. Many sticker artists release seasonal stickers. For anyone whose family asks prodding questions at this time of year, these humorous stickers will be apropos. This dog is dealing with the classic, are you married yet? Did you buy a house? And how much are you earning? This sticker compares life at home with mom and dad to life as a singleton. Seeing these stickers makes me feel happy and amused. The artist is 32-year-old Min Min. He quit a career trading securities for his current job as a cosmetic salesman, but his big love is making art. He spends his working hours painting customers' faces and his free time wielding a pen. His drawings are all inspired by real life, absurd yet recognizable, and always amusing. There are lots of artists making line stickers or cute illustrations, so I come at it from a different angle. I love hearing people say, Wow, this dog is so ugly. Why is it so ridiculous? Comments like that make me happy. Min Min thinks his stickers appeal because of the struggles of modern life. His little mascot is no beauty queen, giving him loads of space to play in his drawings. The comments give readers an extra laugh. Messaging stickers are truly a modern artist's playground. New Taipei Police have a department where dogs and humans work together. Known as the K-9 unit, it's full of the smartest and most loyal police dogs in all of Taiwan. One member of the team has a unique skill of sniffling out traces of blood. We took a trip to the police department to meet this K-9 officer and his humans, and to find out how he developed those unusual skills. Hey, <laughs> For this brown Labrador, no command is too much trouble. His big eyes are so sweet and innocent. Hey, so. This is four-and-a-half-year-old Fuxing, the only blood-tracing police dog in Taiwan. He started working at the age of two and can easily sniff out the difference between one blood trail and another. He's helped police with many major cases already. Lots of different tins are arranged on a rotating machine. Fuxing has to find the one can of human blood among many cans of animal blood. He takes a turn round the cans before sitting down promptly beside the right can. As a reward, the handler throws a ball for him to chase. If he gets it wrong, he has to start again. That's how, bit by bit, he developed his incredible skills. The aim of the rotating stand is to teach him to distinguish human blood. After that, we can dilute the strength of it and train his directional skills. That is, he won't make a round of the stand and he won't memorize that specific spot. It's like waking up his sense of smell. The site of a criminal investigation can be chaos. Crucial traces of blood can be accidentally washed away. But with training, Fuxing can sniff out a very faint speck of blood. With lots of practice, his timely help can be the vital clue that police need. 
At the start, he was quite scared of stairs. One time on a mission, everyone had gone up the stairs and only he was left at the bottom. It was quite awkward. Members of the public were watching. We have to constantly lead him to do things he doesn't like doing. It's hard work for the dogs. Fuxing's handler, Ling Zhilun, reveals that the pooch was one of a litter of six. Ever since he was a little puppy, he got tasks done by himself lightning quick. Police officers decided he was perfect for the role of a blood-tracing officer. In just a few short years, he's loyally supported his humans on lots of tough missions, becoming an irreplaceable member of the team. A cold air mass has sent temperatures plummeting nationwide on Valentine's Day. Late into this evening, flat, low-lying parts of the island could still see lows of 11 degrees. Another front is due to arrive on Saturday, bringing even colder air over the weekend. In terms of intensity, the current cold wave is between a northeasterly monsoon and continental cold air mass. It will affect us from today to Wednesday. On Tuesday, temperatures in the upper half of the island, including the northeast, will be on the lower end, from 12 to 14 degrees. Mountainous regions near Xinzhu and Miaoli could see temps of 10 degrees Celsius. The next obvious weather change will start over the weekend. The temperature will drop significantly after Saturday. It's relatively likely that the intensity of this front will reach that of a continental cold air mass. Compared to this front, the upcoming front will bring temperatures up to 2 degrees lower. Tuesday is Lantern Festival, which means it's time to enjoy colorful lanterns and piping hot bowls of glutinous rice balls. Locals were seen getting a head start on Monday, lining up to buy steamy, savory bowls to warm up in the cold.